0: Hey, it's Alex from X-Growth. Today on the pod feed, we have an edited version of our second session unpacking the state of account-based marketing in APAC, held on the 11th of August, 2022. Today, we're discussing what APAC ABM practitioners can learn from other geographies. We're dropping in just as I introduce the panel. Let's go. Joining us on the panel today, we have Lee Chesco. Senior Marketing Field Manager of EMEA at DemandBase, Lubica Radojkic, uh, Director of APAC Marketing and CX at Autodesk. We've got Shaheen Hoda, Director of Growth at XGrowth. And of course, we have Andrew Thompson, Managing Editor of Shift Research and the author of A State of uh, Account Based Marketing in APAC Report, who will be moderating the session. So, I'd like to pass it over to uh, Andrew uh, to uh, run the session today thanks Alex in the last state of account
1: based marketing in APAC webinar we looked at the motivators driving ABM use as well as the major pain points practitioners are experiencing the panel of ABM experts from Drift and F5 and of course Shaheen from Xgrowth We're all based in APAC, so we were able to provide some great regional on-ground insights and advice. Today's State of ABM in APAC webinar is going to be based on learnings from other geographies that APAC marketers can use. What works, what doesn't, and what needs to be tweaked to succeed in APAC. From the report findings, ABM is being deployed across a broad range of diverse geographies across the region, with Australia, New Zealand, Singapore and Indonesia currently seeing the highest use. At an industry level, ABM is being applied across a broad range of business types throughout APAC. The financial sector is currently attracting the major focus of ABM activities. At the next level down, we can see there's a fairly even spread across industries. So how is ABM being deployed in APAC? As we can see, more personalised ABM approaches are being favoured by respondents. Unlike the US and the UK, where ABM is more established, APAC is a more fragmented market. As we can see, practitioners are leaning towards one-to-one and one-to-few campaigns compared to -to one-to-many campaigns. So let's get some insight on this from the expert panellists in terms of shaheen let's start with you given the survey data above in a region as diverse as apac does it make sense that a more strategic approach is currently gaining greater traction
2: the strategic approach of abm right yeah yeah i think i think there it, it definitely logically it makes sense where uh, b2b organizations are being a lot more focused on the target accounts that they're going after I think there are a couple of factors that that play into that I think the um the whole rise of covid and the impact that that had uh, was a big component um I think right now tightening of marketing budgets has a uh, has a big big impact on it as well but also, I think in general the market is more fragmented in uh in in apac and because of that you need to focus on those target mar- target accounts that you have you might have a number of target accounts in australia you might have a number of them in singapore and a few of them in other countries so having having that spray and pray or that inbound approach becomes could, can become really expensive in the market so uh, i mean it is developing and is maturing, but it, it, it's. I think it's a perfect fit for the market uh, for the market here.
1: And how have you seen the differences actually play out with ABM in APAC versus the US and other geographies across the world? Some sort of, I suppose, really tangible approaches.
2: I mean, I think it would be great to get input from from Leanne Lubita as well. But in in my experience, what yeah. is uh, what is what you see across. Globally, when you look at ABM, what is really big in the US, you you see the one-to-many model where an organization is targeting a large number of accounts in in the thousands, usually, as part of their ABM program. As you shift into Europe, you start to see more one-to-one or one-to-few programs being a lot more popular there. Uh, and, and, and even though the one-to-many model is, is getting more popularity, it's definitely, you can still feel that it's stronger to, to look at those, um, those one-to-one and strategic ABM approach or kind of cluster approach in the one-to-few. Um, and I feel like Australia, not Australia, APAC in general is kind of coming in the middle there where it's, it's getting inspiration from both, both sides, but that's, that's my experience looking at the overall global perspective. Um, from you know, from kind of North America, Europe, who are more mature, but um, but yeah, that's 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 what I see and yeah. my experience.
1: That's great. Now let's jump to Leanne. You're based in the UK with demand base, but cover Europe and the Middle East and Africa markets. Do you have to apply a range of different tailored ABM approaches given the difference in the diverse markets across
3: the region? Absolutely, yeah, and I think it's just going back to. Um, it sounds really obvious, but Thinking about just localization, you can't have this, you know, one size fits all messaging. It just doesn't work. Um, You know, I started at Demandbase six years ago. And the maturity of the market, particularly in the UK, was about one to two years behind the US market. Now, that gap is closed pretty considerably now. Um, however, I couldn't use messaging that my US team had developed and were using for our US campaigns because it was just not the right time for the markets in in Europe. Particularly, they were talking about uh, you know how to build your ABM strategy and team. And in Europe, we were it was very much like we're educating the market on like what is account based marketing and having those types of conversations. Um, and I think that still applies today to some extent, um, you know, because the maturity of the market in the UK is different to that of the Nordic region, for example. So we're still doing a lot of that ABM education for that particular market. But I think it's just um, just kind of going back to that when you're building your campaigns and your messaging, keep in mind You know, will that message resonate with each of the different markets that you're operating? What do you need to change for each of the countries that you're targeting? What assets um, and content needs to be translated? And it was something that um, I think it was Ronan Bray from Drift that he mentioned in the report. And I totally agree is the importance of localizing your copy across channels. So simply, you know, from a uh, US to kind of UK um, markets, it's English with an S instead of a Z, right? Might be as, as small as that. Um, and even things like, and something else Rhonda mentioned, was making sure that the case studies and customers that you're referencing um, in your marketing and that you're using across channels are brands that are known in that region, right? It sounds really simple, but it's it's really effective. Um, because people can know, you know, people kind of know that they're savvy if you're just if it's just a kind of copy and paste, right? Um, and then I think from an event standpoint, when it comes to events planning, it's making sure that you're planning planning out key events in each of your core regions so that you're at the places people are going to to learn about, you know, whatever particular topic that they're interested in that your business is aligned to. And I think another part to that is a partner strategy. So that's key too. So working with some well-known Local agencies who know that region really well and buyers in that region that can massively help.
1: Fantastic. Well, let's jump to Labita being based in APAC, which is also very diverse. Have you experienced similar issues playing out in the region, and what what is your experience of that?
4: Oh, absolutely. i like, I live and breathe that with my team every day, right? And I think, I think that whole fragmentation is is quite existential in Asia pac because it is such a fragmented market and um, and just you know the the Tools and technology, right, available from an ABM perspective are not as effective um, and you know, not as efficient in in APAC across the region. So let's take an example of ANZ, right? Australia, which is a more mature part of the market. And so uh, the way buyers buy uh, in ANZ from a B2B perspective, or from at least looking at the industry that I operate in, right, is is a lot more sophisticated, a lot more mature than, for example, a bar in Singapore, Vietnam, or Thailand, right? So their buying journey and their approach is very different. So when we apply kind of ABM, you know, tech stock into that and look at intent data and all of that, like the uh yeah, it, it does become quite limited uh, in a way, ability to, to really reach that audience and understand, you know, where are they in their buying stage and how do we target them? Right. So that's where it kind of goes uh, a little bit back to basics that um, we're finding that yes in, in ANZ, right, we know um you know where where the 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 target accounts are at and you know how we need to target them. Right. So so this is where we can you know, definitely apply you know, some of the technology available out there. But when we talk about I mean, markets, as I mentioned, some of those countries, right, that's where um, there's a lot of education. So those buying signals aren't as obvious. And, and that's where really struggled, if I'm honest, with some of the ABM right, technology out there, because uh, we're just not able to kind of converse and not able to effectively target um, these accounts because just the way they buy is very different. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, there's some kind of strategic considerations there in terms of the overall approach.
1: Shaheen, you mentioned in the last webinar that you see, you know, that obviously uh, uh, ABM sort of growing and there's various sort of uh, ways that's going to happen. But is one of the ways you see that um, it'll become potentially more homogenized, the APAC market, we're talking long term?
2: Yeah, I think this builds on what um, Lubitsa mentioned, mm-hmm. where some of the technology, um, even though a lot of people talk about and they're they're correct, where they say, hey, you don't need tech to start, you don't need tech for strategy, but technology does accelerate in in so many different angles what you're trying to do. It's it's like uh, pouring gasoline on fire. And because of that limitation, the, the data is not as mature in all geographies across APAC. So you have a pretty good maturity in ANZ. Um, but when it comes to Thailand, when it comes to Philippines, when it comes to um, uh, places like Indonesia, which you still have a massive economy and very large accounts, but your data that you're going to kind of rely on to to run some of your campaigns, similar to what you do, for example, in, in Singapore or, or Australia, it's just not there yet. Now, we were in that position probably five years ago in Australia um where the the uh the data was not there and and are still very hard to get some of that data that you need for uh for a, a pretty mature abm campaign but it, taking that into consideration i think a lot of these other geographies would get there um, where ABM is applicable and some of the big multinationals are, are playing. I think a lot of ABM vendors are going to start focusing on building their, those databases because they're going to realize there there is money to be made there and there is demand for what they're offering for, for some of these geographies. So I think, you know, in the five years, we're going to, in the next five years, we're definitely going to see a lot of maturity uh, in some of these other geographies.
4: Absolutely, and I think to to yeah. jump in, I mean that's why right, we're seeing from from this survey, and from from the respondents, that yeah, the the more strategic, right, the one to one and kind of the one to few approach is is the way um, I guess marketers in APAC right, are approaching ABM.
1: Fantastic. I'll stick with you, So In terms of um, APAC being a less mature market than the US and Europe, do you look at some of the sort of programs that have been run in those areas and try to apply them the learnings and techniques? And if so, what works and what hasn't worked?
4: Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think maybe I would uh, say something controversial and say maybe APAC is not as less mature. I think it's probably not as digitally transformed, right, from a, a technology adoption perspective. I think APAC marketers have been Leveraging, you know, the the strategy of ABM and kind of the principal philosophy, I'd say, for you know, probably, a co- if not a couple of decades, right? Uh, maybe mm-hmm. not on the acquisition side, but de- definitely on on the kind of the growth and expansion. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, seeing a lot of kind of great initiatives coming out of the US and and out of particular our teams here in Autodesk because our whole strategy is really based around ABM. So there's kind of great initiatives around, for example, um, you know, lead acceleration and how do you deploy some of the ABM tools and kind of tactics and strategies to to really help accelerate leads in the funnel. Um, you know, how do you really layer in that that tech stack? You know, whether it's um you know, using, you know, technology like like chats um, or for example Sendoso, right? With uh, with some of the incentives to to really yeah accelerate those conversations and and make the whole, I guess, I kind of experience more personalized, right, from a from a demand gen perspective. Um, and also looking at more of the uh, kind of the the account base, right, in terms of, for example, in our, our mid-market accounts, look at, again, you know, how we deploy and, and align more closely with sales, right? So that's where the whole sales and marketing alignment, you know, comes comes together to, again, offer more more tailored and customized account-based experiences. So it's kind of a whole spectrum of things. But, but yes, I think what we're definitely taking some lessons learned and some tactics that, that we're looking to deploy uh, in APAC, right, because, uh, you know, whether innovation is coming from the U.S. or or we're incubating some of these initiatives ourselves, there's a lot of kind of cross-pollination happening between between the two.
1: Fantastic. Leanne, let's jump to you now. Coming from the other side of the equation, how do you think learnings from more established markets like Europe and and the U.S. can be best applied to more emerging markets? I I mean, as Lubitsch said, APAC has been doing it for a while, but there's some components that are less developed in APAC. How, how do you think the best way to apply it is, and have you done that within demand base?
3: Yeah, so there's there's three sort of um, I suppose learnings that I kind of think about, and just kind of referring back to the report, one of the one of the sort of findings that came out of that is that practitioners have a lack of experience rolling out an ABM strategy. Um, so we've been through this process at Demandbase of educating a lot of our prospects and customers on you know, like how do you actually build an ABM strategy? So, you know, my advice here, and I'm going to plug our Demandbase's certification program, because I think it's fantastic. We certified thousands of people globally, is get certified, like understand the fundamentals of, of ABM and what that, what it takes to build that strategy. And there's There's lots of different kind of levels that we offer for ABM maturity. So I would say get certified, kind of understand how you build that strategy and then kind of where that technology piece fits into it as well. Um, And then kind of as part of that building your strategy, the second kind of learning would be to meet regularly with your ABM leadership team. So when you're actually building out and if you're building out your strategy within your organization, you're going to take leaders from your sales organization, your marketing organization, your operations organization. And this really helps with that buy-in piece to say, right, we're going to take this type of approach. Um, and that's really where you need to get that buy-in. It really needs to come from the top um, and kind of filter down so that, you know, your sales team, your SDRs are kind of following that same strategy and meeting regularly with them to see kind of what's working, what isn't working, um, we have like a, a, a pipeline warriors, as we call it, um, internal meeting to make sure that, you know, we're looking at our pipeline. Have we got enough that's coming from our target account list? Where are there deals stuck in the pipeline? How can we help move those deals along? Um, what have our, you know, how can we improve our conversion rates and our um our accounts getting stuck at certain journey stages for for too uh for too long a period? So kind of having those regularly meetings, but also reporting on success, what's working. So then that just helps, you know, further that kind of adoption within your organization. And then the last point would be when you make that technology purchase, is looking for that one complete solution that will give you your sales and marketing team that one view of accounts, right? Because I think another challenge is lots of companies have a really fragmented go-to-market because their sales are kind of looking at one view, their marketing's looking at another view of their accounts, and they're not talking to each other. So it's, um, you know, there's there's lots of um, disadvantages to that in terms of how you go to market, targeting the wrong accounts, missing those active accounts that are in market, not targeting buyers where they are at the relevant stage in the sales cycle, and they get a You know, horrible experience because you're reaching out to people at the wrong time, all of that sort of stuff. So that kind of one view can can really help. And I think that we're in a position now, in terms of the technology side, where a lot of those tools have those you know mergers and acquisitions that have happened, and there much um, more companies now are starting to look at one complete solution rather than like several kind of point solutions. And then once you have that in place. attend those product training sessions for that technology, join the customer communities, attend customer days, really um, you know, learn from other marketers in terms of what they're doing. And I think this is this always be learning um, kind of approach with ABM because it's an iterative process. It's not set and done. You're constantly going back, reviewing it, taking learnings from other marketers, yeah. from your um, from your other teams. So, um, yeah, always be learning.
1: Fantastic. And Shaheen, what advice do you have for people trying to glean insight from their regional counterparts in the US and Europe? Um, You know, there's a lot of great learnings there, but how important is it to customise those approaches or rethink them from a different angle from an APAC perspective?
2: Let's let's touch on US, right? Um, So... As, as, as I mentioned earlier, you see a lot of one-to-many strategies in the U.S. where there is a large number of accounts that are are being focused on. And one of the main reasons for that is statistical significance. So the, 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 the pool of potential customers or potential prospects is large enough and to, to some extent similar to one another that you can have a wider approach and have a larger number of accounts under your umbrella, right? So that's the first time that that people kind of come across or, or APAC marketers come across ABM. It's usually from the US counterpart where they're looking at that one-to-many. And sometimes that gets implemented and the results are not there because we don't we don't reach and in most situations a lot of situations we don't reach that statistical significance because of the fragmentation frag, fragmentation in the markets that we have right. So, uh, Australian market is what is fifteen times smaller than the U.S. market. So you you're not able to to throw that wide wide net. Um, but there is a lot of learnings, great learnings uh, for market for for APAC marketers in terms of what is happening in one-to-many and then how can we the maturity of one-to-many there and how can we bring that here and look at one-to-few that kind of cluster uh, Mm -hmm. a scale Mm -hmm. abm strategy that we're going to implement how can we do that and how can we learn from there and then looking at um, EMEA in were very mature in um in in kind of one to many and and kind of clusters. And again, getting the good stuff out of there and then implementing and mixing it together. So I think those are the learnings uh that uh that a lot of marketers in APAC can take from their counterparts in, in EMEA in the US. Um, take the great stuff from from one to many in the US, take the great stuff from one to one in uh in in the UK and kind of put them together. Now, I know I'm generalizing. There are a lot of companies in the US that do great one-to-one, one-to-few um, campaigns and, and approaches and great organizations doing great stuff on, on one-to-many in, in the uh, in the EMEA region. But if you were going to take an average, that's mm. usually the the best approach to, to take. And for marketers to be aware that, hey, if, if they're doing one-to-many, there's going to be certain challenges if we're going to purely rely on that. In uh, in in the APAC region.
1: Fantastic! It's a good time now to go to a question from an audience member, David. This is to any panelists who wants to jump in. Please share a story of a one-to-few successful ABM compa- campaign and and how it played out. Who wants to jump in there?
3: I'm happy to share something Fantastic. on that. Um, yeah. So we have um, and this this sort of method that we've used at Demandbase really helps with sales and marketing alignment. So we have monthly ABM stand-ups with all of our um, new business reps and our growth account directors. Um, and with one of our new business reps, he'd come on board, probably been on board a couple of months at this point. So he had a pretty new target account list. So we were looking at... Um, you know, what are where can we really start to generate pipeline? And full disclosure, we use our own um, platform at Demandbase to execute on our own strategy. So we were looking at his account list and we're like, where are we seeing like, the most engaged accounts? Where are we seeing that intent data? Um, who's really engaging with our content? Who's visiting our website the most? And where are those, um, where can we kind of see patterns in there, are there kind of accounts that fit into a particular cluster or industry And for this particular rep, we were saying, oh, you're getting a lot of interest from financial services accounts. So let's do a dedicated call blitz campaign into that account. Uh, Call blitz campaigns for us, we would include them into a specific advertising campaign for messaging that's really relevant to the financial services industry. We had lots of financial services, um, case studies and references that we leveraged. We had a email campaign kind of running a few weeks and then we had a week dedicated where our SDR team or business development team um, followed up on on that set of accounts and that was about 18 accounts on on this list so quite a small set of accounts Um, and they were really just making that their outreach really personalized to each of those accounts Um, bringing in kind of our pain points messaging for, you know, the financial services um, organization, any research that we done on that particular account that was relevant to our outreach. And out, out of those like 18 accounts, we got probably about half of those meetings with, with half of them. And then from that three accounts that are now in active pipeline opportunity. So pretty good conversion rate from that.
1: Fantastic. Did anyone else want to jump in there and share their story? Yes, yeah, so I, I can jump in with one
4: that's kind of a yeah, still still a work in progress, but um, maybe a bit of a different different approach there. So really, a one to few and identified probably a set of five accounts uh, together with with um, you yeah, know one of our uh, account executives and and really these accounts that kind of met met the ICP for our, for our ideal customer profile for our core core solutions. So the criteria that we set out and I think the challenge that we found there is uh, yeah trying to watch those buying signals through 3 intent 10 data not a lot was available. So uh, we did a lot of kind of manual, manual digging to understand, you know, map out who's in the zoo, really in that, in those five organizations understand, uh, you know, who are their C-level decision makers, what is driving them. So a lot of desktop research in terms of uh, looking through LinkedIn, understanding, well, you know, one of these executives, for example, a big rugby fan, right? Australian footy and, um, you know, manager of a, on the board of directors. So really understanding that sort of personal approach, like how do we kind of reach these individuals um, so that we can, again, communicate right with them and um, on a more personal level uh, and expanding into, into the organization, you know, mapping out where do we have relationships, where we don't um, and really understanding of well, what is that sort of sales play or sales and marketing kind of ABM play they want to approach um, these kind of core core five accounts with and then uh, targeting them with developing kind of more event-based. So inviting them to like a round table, um, leveraging, working with a third party um, and getting, again, some of the, these kind of uh, popular, you know, sporting uh, heroes to, to to the table um, as a draw card. And then also um, doing some more kind of account specific content production, right? So really talking to their pain points um, that we understood from all the research and, and kind of the, the outreach of, of our BD team. Um, and so helping us open doors so we have i think two uh, two opportunities that have come out of those five accounts that are still in in conversation so again yeah it's kind of work in progress but this is maybe a more of a traditional right approach that's more of that sort of one um you know one to few without kind of leveraging um you know extensive like abm technology but i think this again also probably talks to to the research as well right that I guess the more strategic approach um, is quite prevalent in the region. I think that's where we're seeing some success uh, working with the sales team hand in hand.
1: Fantastic. And we'll go to another audience question. This one's from Dean McGinnis and I'll open it up to all the panelists. Any tips for a company transitioning from a lead gen approach to ABM?
3: Yeah, I think it's all about setting expectations, right? Because naturally, if you've been more lead focused, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be a lot of, um, it's going to be potentially quantity over quality that you've, that you may have been, you know, measured on. So kind of getting all of that, you know, filling, filling the funnel with it with as many leads as, as possible. And I think within an, in an ABM world, it's definitely quality over quantity. So you might see some of those lead numbers drop or you will see some of those lead numbers drop once you're focusing on a on a set of target accounts um, on a set of target accounts and the types of metrics that you're using are going to change as well. So I think it's that mind shift in saying actually if we're really going to focus more and shift more of our marketing budget to try and engage with this list of target accounts. There's going to be fewer leads that come through but actually what's going to come through is going to be better quality, and we're going to focus on you know surrounding each of those accounts with trying to engage with as, um, as much of the buying committee within that account as possible. So I think just na- no, kind of naturally accepting that lead number is going to drop, but also shifting the metrics that you use as well. So kind of moving it from this leads model to really having this account lens around everything that you're doing. So first point, looking at engagement. So those kind of early indicators before you know a pipeline opportunity is is created. It's what does that engagement look like from my from my target account list? Am I surrounding or getting engagement from the full buying committee? Where are the gaps? Do we need to um, you know engage more with the, the C level and executive level, for example? Um, are those accounts visiting our website? Are they engaging with our content? Then when we look to pipeline, how much of those accounts from our um, or in our pipeline are from our target account list, um, and kind of as you start to kind of evolve that strategy, what you'll naturally start to see is like um, probably evens out that fifty percent of your pipeline will be from your target account list, and then you'll start to see things like your average deal sizes for um, target accounts versus a non-target accounts bigger. The deal velocity should be quicker for a target account. These are obviously longer term metrics, yeah. but it's really applying that, that account lens to everything that you're doing from a measurement perspective.
1: Fantastic. Well, yeah,
3: do you want to jump in? Yeah,
4: yeah, maybe yeah, to, to add to that. I think for for, for us, and, and that's one of the kind of key shifts um, that you know, when I'm taking from a, a more general marketing strategy perspective, it's also to understand, well, how do you layer up and, and really develop your overall ABM, like account strategy, right? wrapping it around the, the different sales accounts and understanding what does that sort of sales tiering model look like? Um, and then, you know, how do you really develop that sort of tiering with, you know, with, with the one-to-many, one-to-few, and one-to-one? One. Um, and then on top of that, right, looking at, yeah, the the kind of all of those intent signals, but really, yeah, having the sort of tiered strategy and making sure that your ABM strategy overall is super close to line, right, and working hand-in-hand hand with the sales team, with the sales operations teams, uh, marketing ops to, yeah, really... Develop a comprehensive kind of approach overall to, to the ABM um, strategy.
1: Fantastic. And, and cost and budget issues were identified as a major pain point in the survey. I'll stick with you, Libita, on this deciding how much and where to allocate the spend, is that a really intensive process that you undertake before you embark?
4: Absolutely. So it's really understanding, you know, what are those. What are those kind of potential uh you know accounts that really seeing opportunity to grow? Um, and that goes back to with really understanding the the sales plans and the sales strategy mm-hmm. and the plays and understanding, well, you know, where to really invest the money? What are the channels? Understanding, you know, how, how the buyers buy and um and really going through um and um yeah and developing, looking at you know how you allocate your budgets um as well, you know, how much you spend on technology side of things versus the different channels and the content, right? So all of that, you know, really needs to come into consideration.
1: Fantastic. Are there any learnings for the APAC region, Leanne, that you've got from this in terms of how you decide on that process?
3: Yeah, so I think um, it's looking at, I think, in terms of just getting budget initially to do something like this, I think Mm. the key thing is looking at the overall objectives of the company. And for the majority of companies, they're going to have some kind of growth goal in there. They want to grow by X percent every year. There's going to be expansion into new markets, new product releases. And I think for those particular goals at that kind of top company level, this is where an ABM strategy is really key and it can really help you meet those objectives. Um, And then kind of with, you know, with ABM, you're you're, um, able to... Um, really pinpoint the accounts that, that you want to go after that are in market right now. So you're closely you know, working with your sales team, your operations team to understand what are the companies that best fit our idle customer profile? What do our existing customers look like? We want to find more of those companies and then layering on technology to help uncover all of those relevant buying signals so that you can actually pinpoint these are the ones to go after right now based on all these, you know, intense signals and engagement that they're showing. And I think part of that, you know, um, kind of advantage is getting to those accounts earlier in the buying committee and surrounding that account uh, with things like advertising is going to help you get that full buying committee engaged and ultimately lead to to faster sales cycles and bigger deal sizes, as I mentioned as well. Um, I think when you're starting out, you might want to, you know, run a pilot campaign. I think that would be sort of a key learning. Don't try and um, have a kind of go in and do this with all of your sales team. You might want to pick one or two um, maybe more marketing-friendly salespeople um, to really test it out, to so take a segment of accounts and and really test out, you know, we're going to run a particular ABM program for the next two or three months into these set of accounts and then report that back. And something that um, Labidza mentioned is tiering your accounts as well. And that's something that's been really key to our strategy at Demandbase. So we have a three-tiered, um, um, approach to our target account list: So tier one are our sales reps, top five accounts. Tier two are their top 30 and the rest are within their tier three. And that's probably around 100 to 150 accounts. And then we have what we call our marketing entitlements for each of those accounts here. So this is our commitment to you as a sales organization for the coverage that we're going to provide from marketing for these accounts. So tier one, Basically, for us, like we're spending the most amount of our marketing budget trying to engage with those accounts. So we're spending, from an advertising standpoint, we're going to spend two or three times more advertising to those accounts versus a, a in tier one versus a tier three, and just the specific kind of programs you might have specific workshops and events for those particular accounts as well. You're going to do higher levels of personalization, building out you know personalized and custom landing pages and, and content. So I think tiering your accounts is that's been really, really, really key for us, and it really helps with that buy-in piece for sales, and and again with that sales and marketing alignment.
1: Fantastic. Have you yeah, got I any? Think... Yeah, sorry, Shane, I was going to.
2: No, I think the the I think the the expense of running ABM is relative. So the question that the the very first question that you would want to ask is, you know, what is, what is our average contract value? Um, And if you have that, uh, if you have further information on that, what is our, what is our average, um, the lifetime value of the customer? Right. Um, I usually say that DocuSign would run an ABM campaign against a million dollar account and a million dollar opportunity in the one-to-one uh tier and oracle would run a one-to-one campaign against a 50 million dollar um opportunity right they both are running one-to-one but the the way that they would approach that is different oracle will probably have half a million dollar allocated for for that campaign and that does not look um expensive for them and it's within budget but obviously DocuSign in in the example, I'm giving hypothetical examples, will not be able to do something like that. So that becomes very uh, dependent in terms of what are you looking at in terms of what is the rate of return on some of these? um, And then you you can benchmark some of these in terms of past performances, and therefore, if we're looking at a cluster of of uh, you know five accounts, and, and these are some of the numbers that we're seeing. Potentially, we could we could see a return on on our uh, on our investment that is aligned to X. The other really important component that I think Leanne touched on is you have to set expectations, where you have to have short term, medium term, and long term KPIs that you're tracking. So that your your leadership team doesn't come in uh, in, in, in the last minute and saying in month three and say, where is the revenue, right? And you have to establish that, hey, revenue, we're, we're really looking at revenue in month 18. So don't please don't come and ask for revenue in in the third month um, to, uh, to, you know, for us to kind of show you, hey, here's all the money that we've made from our ABM campaign the first quarter that we ran it. And lastly, and I think the the this component that that I'm about to mention, the average contract value comes into play. Where I think what what's really good as as people get more and more mature in their marketing plan is to create a prioritization matrix for the accounts that you're going after, and you would have multiple different criteria that you 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 would have there, um, but. What a what a prioritization matrix basically does is it says, hey, if we take all the accounts that we have and put it into this matrix and we score them, who comes at the top? And these accounts that come at the top are the best fit. They provide the best, uh, the, the 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 largest amount of pipeline and opportunity for you. And again, based on those, you can go around creating your ABM strategy because now you know you have the you have the. The prime accounts for what you're doing. And then the the you can definitely look at justifying the amount of money that you're going to spend for for your ABM campaign.
1: Fantastic. All right, let's go to another one from the audience. This one's from Jana Munn, and I'll open it up to any of the panelists. How well does ABM work for scale-ups or startups in the B2B space?
2: Okay. I I'll I'll maybe give that give that a go, but I think Leanne might have a lot of insight on that as well. Um I think so ABM would definitely work for um for, for scale-ups and, and startups as well. I think what uh what needs to be taken into consideration is you probably don't want to go into the most sophisticated APM strategy. So you don't want to look into kind of one-to-one strategies. Your clusters should be potentially larger than, you know, again, a cluster of five accounts could be very risky for a startup. The reason I say that is in a startup world, capital is a lot more precious than in an established company because you got a lot more of it in the established company. Again, if if uh if Oracle does a strategy gain one to one gains five accounts, and you know, and they spend a lot of money, it's half a million dollars per, per account, and four of those nothing happens there, they're fine. They're gonna be completely fine if none of them happen. They're going to be completely fine, but if you put a startup in that situation, which is cash-strapped, I mean, with this, with the current environment as well, that it, it, it's 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 even harder for startups and scale-ups. They're putting a lot of risk into the, into one-to-one strategies uh, that could that could potentially, in some cases, be detrimental. Best case, the marketing manager might get might get fired. Um, worst case, it could have really, really devastating uh, outcome for the um, for the for the balance sheet of, of of the company. So I think it's best to look at those um, those one to many and then scale, but scale with a larger number of accounts rather than going super strategic. From, from an avian perspective I don't know leanne what what your thoughts are on that
3: yeah I was just nodding as you were chatting there. I completely agree so for me it would be a one-to-many approach um, and I think that is you know in, in when you're in kind of scale up and startup mode it's all about growing fast and um, really building up your really building up your pipeline so I think that kind of approach can really help where you're targeting hundreds potentially thousands of accounts um to really you know help help build build the pipeline up. So yeah, one to many would definitely be my approach that I would take.
1: Fantastic. Look, let's ask and look at some sort of trends towards the future and how, AB, how ABM is growing in APAC. Um, what factors need to be enhanced for ABM results to be further optimized in less mature markets or less developed or just different markets than geographies, such as data visibility, tech capacity, and size of market? Are there sort of some barriers that you see that can really be overcome and achieve some real growth in the areas?
2: I think Lubiza would be. Yeah, I can jump in
4: there. Yeah. I think the the data, right? Conversation, that's that's such a critical one. Um, because again, yeah, just because of yeah, how, how fragmented, right, the region is and uh and it's hard to achieve that scale, right? So it's it's about the whole personalization and the data and insights that just yeah, that's just hard, right? So I don't know, uh, maybe in, you know, three to five years time, I'd say, but I think, yeah, the pandemic has definitely, you know, kind of done, um, you know, definitely, you know, stall things as well from a, yeah, from a strategy perspective. So I think that's where if we can, you know, kind of get get more global providers to really to understand the the challenges right of APAC and, and kind of be able to accommodate with more locally-based data and, and kind of organizational intel, I think that would, you know, take things, um, you know, a, a long way. Uh, I, I think the other piece is really around educational uh, yeah. education, right, uh, organizational education around the sales team, really what is ABM and, you know, how, you know, sales marketing teams really need to work together, right, to to really leverage uh, the strategy to its full capacity. So I think, you know, we talk a lot about ABM and, you know, the one-to-many approach, right, but it's around you know, how do we align and, you know, really support uh, you know, the sales strategy overall. And I think, yes, marketing cannot be a successful isolation. Any sort of ABM strategy cannot be successful with just marketing, run, running the show in its own right. I think there's uh, the value uh, will always you know, will not be recognized in the, the day because it's about the results. Right. And, and yeah, I think the alignment with sales is, is a key piece there. Um, so I think I've kind of given a round, a round answer with just the data side of things, but also education. Right. I think those two are, are really critical for for APEC um, to be able to scale.
1: Shane do you have anything to add to that?
2: No I, I think you know what I would say is is, and I think Lubitsa touched on it but I'll just elaborate a little bit more I think education is is not only marketers understanding this but also leadership and sales understanding it. It is just a such a uphill battle to go in an organization that's that sales either has lost hope in marketing or just really don't see marketing as a as a as a decent player and and that might not be sales fault it might have been marketing marketing's fault for implementing strategies that have not got resolved but it, it, you're, that training and education is so critical not just for marketing but sales leadership and also executive leadership um, because at the end of the day you you're going to need executive buy-in to to run a cross department uh initiative like apn
1: Okay, fantastic. I'll go to another audience question. This one's from Jason Romain. Do APAC marketers find B2B intent tools valuable to their ABM approach?
2: Lupita, so you want to I think we've touched
4: on that a few times, I think, yes. during this conversation, yes. and uh, my personal experience, not very uh, not very effective. I think it okay. depends on the part of the region. I think definitely in like Australia and New Zealand, right, ANZ. A bit more mature uh you know the, the whole buying right cycle or kind of from a digital transformation perspective is also more mature right buyers um more digitized buying journey so so in that respect the, the technology is kind of you know definitely more more effective like if we're looking at you know any sort of ABM uh you know type of tool uh with obviously with intent data I think the struggle I think as we said before is really in the other parts of the region, whether it's a CN or Japan, right? The non English speaking, I think that's the other kind of layer to complexity and, and ABM tech, which just doesn't, doesn't cater for mostly languages other than like English. So I think that's kind of the other um, component to the conversation that I think, yeah, there's a lot of catching up or maybe globalization or global approach, right? That the, the ABM tech companies need to take, thinking beyond just maybe the European or the US markets, right? Um but looking at understanding, you know, the other markets and and how they can really support the customer base um yeah across I mean globally.
1: Um. Mm-hmm. Wink
2: wink, wink, at Leanne. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I've got one from Ronan Bray who was actually in our last so If
2: I if I can if I can add something to that. Yeah. Answer, um go for it. I think it's definitely geography dependent uh like Lubitsa you mentioned. But I also think that it's important for for marketers to understand that that intent is not a silver bullet. It is a a, not a lay, Even if you're if you are in a space that in Australia or Singapore, which is English speaking, it's not like hey we're gonna I- implement intent. I feel like a lot of people are, are have this understanding. We're gonna implement intent, and they're gonna tell us everyone who's in the market, and we're gonna knock on their door, and they're gonna open up their doors and be like yes, come on in. We've been waiting for you to uh, to uh, to come, and uh, we haven't. Well, why haven't we found you earlier? It's not the case. Um, what what one needs to think about is it is going to be a ten percent, twenty percent improvement on your on your strategy, even if you're in a mature market and you're Australia, and that data kind of works is going to be 10, 20% improvement. And you need to kind of build that foundational pieces and then put this on top. And what what do I mean by 10 to 20% improvement? So if you have tracked your pipeline where you're like, okay, we got hundred accounts without intent information. They go through these stages where we uh, we create engaged account, we create highly engaged account, then we create um, meetings, then we create opportunities in them, and there is a conversion point across both of them. And you've got to make sure that you have statistically significant data. Um, now we're going to do the same thing with hundred accounts that are showing intent across what we're what we're doing, and then how do those conversion rates change? And you're going to see maybe ten percent, twenty percent improvement in those, maybe maybe slightly more. But gotta also remember, ten percent, twenty percent is not noticeable if you're not very carefully measuring those conversion points. If if your company is not to the level of maturity that you have those data very clearly, and you can just change that one variable and see the difference. You're going to have a very hard time justifying um, a, a an intent data uh, six months, twelve months down down the down the line for why why you made that purchase.
3: Yeah, I think intent is no, that's just one part of the puzzle. I agree; it's it's definitely not the silver bullet, and it's. It's same as, like we're not just going to use kind of one channel. We're going to use this multi-channel approach. We're going to work together as a sales and marketing team. And going back to Shaheen's point about building your target account list, like that's the key part of it, really looking and understanding, like who are our best fit accounts and how can we find more of those? And you just look at your existing customer base, right? And, and how can we find more companies that fit this same criteria? So I think that the ICP part is key and then tiering tiering those accounts and as Shaheen mentioned there's lots of um, models and kind of matrixes out there that will help you map those accounts in terms of how do we tier these what should be a tier one account and it would be most likely you know what is the potential revenue of that account so I think the tiering and getting the ICP right is correct then layering on other technologies like like intent data which, which can be really helpful to help with that prioritization piece but it's also looking at it from an account level, because one intense signal from an individual within the account doesn't necessarily mean that accounts to buy. It's building up that kind of engagement score at the account level to be like they're showing lots of lots of these different buying signals and being able to get that insight from what are multiple buyers doing within that um, within that account. You know, somebody going in and downloading a white paper doesn't mean that they're ready to be um, followed up by your sales team. So really looking at that overall account engagement, I think, is really key.
2: Yeah.
1: Fantastic. We'll go to the question from Ronan Bray from Drift, who, was, as I mentioned on the last webinar, this is again open up to the panelists. What tools and platforms do you rely most on for ABM?
3: So, as I have said before, we use our own technology, so yeah, we use demand. Yeah. <laughs> but we also have, and um, Lubitsa mentioned Sendoso, we use that as our direct mail tool. Um, we have chat tools. We have. Um, Trying to think what else. in know. marketing automation, CRM, those are our our key um, tools that we use.
1: The beatson Did you want to add? I know you spoke on it before, touched on it, but was there any sort of key points you wanted to add to that?
4: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I think yeah, we have a kind of a different uh, ABM tech stack, and actually we're we're exploring uh, other tools for APAC, and I think I mentioned um, just the kind of the the language one issue. So we're definitely on the search for it and again, I'm not going to probably mention any vendor names on, on, on today's call, but yeah, definitely exploring some that have more local language capability um, and layering that in with, as I mentioned, you know, one of them is Sendoso for DM. Um, also looking at, yeah, chats, um, the CRMC, the usual tech stack also, for example, more for uh, kind of content marketing. So Uberflip um, is one that we use more for like, um, you know, tailor content. So there's, yeah, quite a a comprehensive tech stack, I think for us, the definitely the the piece that we're exploring is, you know, ABM and testing a few different, different you know, dedicated ABM tools um, for the region. Um, I think the the other challenge is proliferation of, of tools, right? And I think, you know, the danger that we're seeing, uh, you know, globally with some of the teams, but also with not just in, in, in Autodesk, right, but beyond like you know, some of my colleagues as well that, you know, they might have two or three different ABM tools tools and tech second that just creates kind of chaos with data and, you know, pro- proliferation of, well, the single source of truth, right, becomes a, a lot more difficult. So um, I think, um, yeah, it's kind of the overall, overall summary there.
1: Fantastic. And we touched on budgets and resources before and Uh, It's sort of timely in the fact that, you know, there's obviously worse than global economic conditions playing out across the world. Is that likely to hamper ABM growth in APAC but also in other parts of the globe? Open that up to anyone who wants to go for
3: it. I actually think it's at this time you need to adopt an ABM approach more than ever because no company can really afford to waste any time or budget trying to market or sell to accounts that, you know, are not a good fit, that aren't in market. So I think actually now is a good time. Is it
1: a bit the case that it might be a bit harder to get over the line and and convince people to adopt the approach if it looks more expensive from the initial outset?
3: I think it's going back to what could the, um, again, test... Testing it out and and doing a pilot to really test out the model, I think, could be is where is where I would start, um, and kind of proving out where where that works as well, and almost kind of looking at you know what is the cost of not doing not doing anything and missing those active um, active opportunities. What is actually the cost of doing nothing to our business? I think that's something worth reviewing. Fantastic, Shaheen. Did you have anything to add to that?
2: No, I'll just echo what uh, what what Liam mentioned. I I I I think, um, first of all, you, we're on a panel of of ABM nerds, right? So I've got to take I- that with a, <laughs> uh, with a grain of salt. Yeah. Um, but I I think you know that that's definitely the case where you're you're being a lot more targeted um, on on what what matters, right? And I think in most financially challenging situations. Um, the magnifying glass comes on and y- you you gotta show results. I think the other reason that most companies see ABM ex- expensive is because they don't have proper measuring systems right. for some of their other marketing activities. And mm-hmm. they can't go and talk about their in- inbound strategy of like, okay, you know, we have all, all these leads. Can you show me exactly how much of that turned into revenue? Like, did we get ten thousand leads and and five of them turn into customers? There, that visibility is 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 a bit murky usually, um, in in traditional companies that are dealing with MQLs, SQLs, and 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 leads. And therefore, when you come and say, "Hey, now we're going to focus on," just like Labita said, five companies and we're going to get two meetings. Then you're like, "Oh my god, only five companies? No, 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 no that's not that's not gonna that the cost for lead." is going to be huge for that i can't i cannot afford that but that end result is not um measured properly from some of the some of the challenges uh some of the other marketing activities and this is potentially a um n- not a challenge but one of the thing because abm that becomes super clear you see what goes in and what what comes out and you know the accounts uh that's that's a bit of a challenge where in the other situation this end is a little bit murky uh, and hard to uh, hard to see the full picture.
4: Okay, fantastic. maybe I wanted to add uh, maybe yeah. another another lens or another kind of way of, of looking at things, um, especially with with a tough economy, right, and and budget tightening. Um, really applying the whole right ABM philosophy and approach to your existing customer base, right? Because it's always more expensive to acquire new customers uh, than to retain existing ones. So really wrapping you know wrapping your Your hands around around your existing customer base, looking at, you know, how can we grow, grow these accounts? Um, You know, how can we nurture them? How can we drive greater engagements? And again, this whole right ABM, you know, approach, not just on the acquisition side, but also looking at the, on the post-purchase and and with the existing customer base, right? So how can we kind of ensure that, that, yeah, we're retaining and growing our customer base. And again, I think, you know, the whole approach, right. and, And the tools and tech can, can add a lot of value, on the customer success side and um and yeah, on the growth and expansion side of, of demand gen.
1: Fantastic. And obviously we've done the state of ABM in APAC and looked at where things are at the moment. But looking forward, what do you see as the definitive trends and changes that may play out in impact the ABM use across APAC? I'll give that to you, Shaheen.
2: I think I think the biggest change that's going to happen is is data and more maturity on vendors in the space. That I think is in the next 5 years, that's what we're going to see. Um more more organizations are going to focus on the on this market and you're going to get better and better data and I mean we touched on this quite extensively, but I think from my in my opinion that's the that's the bottom line. Yes, you're going to have better marketers who are more trained, more educated and and the overall education of the of the market is going to go up. But um, yeah, I think the tech tech component is is probably the the, the most prevalent one.
1: Fantastic. In the end, your region will focus on that. Any changes and trends you see playing out that will really change the landscape?
3: Um, yeah, okay, I think I think it technology because I think in terms of the education, definitely for our region, that is you know it's it's a lot kind of more more mature. Um, but I think it's just having those technology, you know, the data coverage that's been mentioned as well, um, and have probably seeing more of those um, technologies really kind of merge together um, so that everybody's getting that kind of one source of truth for accounts. I think that's definitely what we're going to see play out.
1: Fantastic. That brings us close to time, but any final thoughts from the panellists that you want to leave the audience with?
4: maybe final thought for me is the yeah. end of the day it's all about the people it's all about the talent right so so you exactly. can have you know the the best tools and data out there but you know if you don't have uh kind of specialists um you know uh, doing uh, on board and and you know running uh running the engine then it's hard and I think anyone in the ABM and B2b marketing world out there in Asia pack knows how hard it is to to find a recruit uh, ABM talent so encouragement for any, any of you on today's call uh, definitely get educated get specialized and uh and you'll you'll be in high demand.
1: Fantastic
2: note. Yeah, on
1: that note, that's a great way to end it. I uh, hope the audience got a lot out of it. Don't hesitate to contact any of the panellists if you have any follow-up questions. There's a great deal more insights into the ABM across APAC containing the report, so I encourage you to download it if you haven't and really drill down into some of that instructive detail. Thanks again, and depending on what time zone you're currently in, have a great day or a great evening.
2: Thanks all, everybody.
0: Don't forget to pick up your copy of the State of Account-Based Marketing APAC Report at abm.xgrowth.com.au forward slash report. That's abm.xgrowth.com.au forward slash report. Or just hit the link in the podcast description to get your copy. Thanks again for all the support and look forward to you joining us again in the next one.